Welcome, everyone. This is the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. It's time for the All Space episode. This episode is going to be all space-related topics. I'm going to review a new space RPG, and I am going to talk about movies and games and TV shows and all kinds of space stuff. Space movies. There are so many great space movies. I'm going to talk about a couple that aren't so great. Um, 1981's Outland. Sean Connery is a, a federal marshal on a mining colony on the Jupiter moon. And there's some, what what's it's a pretty obvious, there, there's drugs on the colony and he's trying to track it down. It's okay. It's not too horrible. It's... A little slow for modern audiences. I think those of us that remember movies back then will probably enjoy it. The scenes where they're outside the environment and they're outside on the moon's surface in in their spacesuits are painful because they're moving slow in the spacesuits. And it's supposed to be action. You know, there's like a fight out there and stuff, but it's not very exciting. But when they're inside the station, it all works fine. Or inside the mining colony, it all works fine. It's not too bad. It's interesting. You have Sean Connery and Kika Markham plays his wife. And, of course, they both have pretty pronounced accents. But I I think the kid they have playing their son is an American, to be honest. His accent sounds nothing at all like theirs. But they do drop the line where he's never been back on Earth. So maybe the reason for the different accent is because he was raised, you know, in space and... He wasn't raised in the UK, so he picked up the accent in school, you know, out of the different colonies they were at. So I don't know. Um, Outland's decent. It's fine. It It's hard to say, go see it right now. It's not that good of a movie, but it's okay. The other space movie I'm going to talk about is A Guilty Pleasure, and it's also not a good movie, but it is Star Crash with Caroline Monroe and David Hasselhoff Pierce, too. But... Oh, it also has Joe um, Spinelli, who's a great actor. He has a great face. He's a great character actor. Um, love everything he's in. But, yeah, Star Crash is uh, trying to cash in on the Star Wars thing. And it's not good, but it's one of those so bad it's not so bad it's good movies. So I do recommend you go check out Star Crash in fact, I'd probably say go check out Star Crash before Outland, and that kind of pains me to say, because I'm a Sean Connery fan, but Outland was fine. I mean, it's police procedural in space, as all it is, and it's fine as a police procedural, but it's like a 70s, it really is like a 70s cop movie, but it doesn't have like an exciting chase like the French Connection does. So that's kind of what you're looking at with that, where Star Crash is cheesy and and weird and and I think worth seeing so those are my picks for space movies so we've all seen all the normal space movies but for off the wall space movies everybody doesn't know about what's your recommendation call in and let us know let me make a quick correction Joe Spinell is the actor's name I was saying not Spinelli Joe Spinell and you You'll know him from so many great movies. Um, of course, he stars in Maniac. That's the big one that you know I think of him from. The other one I think of him from is um, 
The Ninth Configuration, which is a movie. If you've not seen The Ninth Configuration, well, that's a whole different story. So, although it touches on space because it's got a space image in that movie, but I'll I'll drop that for right now. But anyway, Joe Smanell's the character I was trying to say. I mispronounced his name. I apologize. Space board games. There are so many good space board games, but I'm just going to mention one, and it's Space Alert. And I cannot pronounce the creator's name, but you if you're into board games, you'll recognize it's Victor Lima Alpha Alpha Delta Alpha. Second, or his last name is Charlie Hotel Victor Alpha Tango Lima, Tango Indy Lima. It, it, it's a great game. Um, I'll read you the blurb off of um, Board Game Geek. Space Alert is a cooperative team survival game. Players become crew members of a small spaceship scanning dangerous sectors of the galaxy. Missions last just 10 real-time minutes, and the only task players have is to protect their ship. So what makes it cool is it comes with a CD, and you can also get custom soundtracks off YouTube and offline. But you have a 10-minute soundtrack that runs during the game, and it's played in real-time. And you have cards and a board and everything and figures. And you're the crew of a spaceship, and the spaceship has different zones. And you have to move your characters, who you have miniatures for, from zone, you know, around the ship to do different things during that 10 minutes. So if you're going to fire, after you fire a laser, for example, you, you know, somebody has to recharge the battery cell, which means they might have to recharge the power plant to push, battery, push power to the battery cell, and then push that to the laser. Or for shields, if you use shields, and you have to recharge that. So you have to move around the ship. So you might have to move like left to the elevator, down the elevator, right over to the power cell, things like that. And I'm not explaining it very well, but if you get on YouTube and look up Space Alert, you'll see it. Um, and I, and I'll the audio cues sound something like this. Where the tension comes is there are 12, so there's basically 12 steps in each, each turn, in each, or each, in, during that 10 minutes. In each step, you put down a card saying whether your character's going left, right, up, down, you know, firing something, doing the A button or the C button, what they're doing. And you have a random set of cards. And there are certain times you, can, you can't tell each other what cards you have, but there are certain times you can trade cards with each other and things like that. But you're putting your cards down in sequence, and every so often, there's like three stages. And so after you get past the first stage, you can't adjust those cards anymore. And again, go look it up. But basically, it's really stressful because you're going through it, and it's super easy to put your cards out of sequence. And then after the 10 minutes, you go back and you replay the mission, like moving, flipping the cards over and moving things around. You see that, you know, maybe you fired the laser before the aliens were in range, or you recharge the, the shields, but there wasn't any power to recharge them, things like that. And it's if you have a group of players that doesn't get super uptight over messing up and, and are good-natured, you'll love this game. If you can laugh at yourself a little bit, then definitely get your group together and try Space Alert, because it's really fun, and um, yeah, I can't recommend Space Alert enough. 
I'll give one honorable mention of a game that's out of print now. It's Starship Catan. If you like the Catan games, Starship Catan is a two-player only game where each of you has a ship and you've shown up at an alien planet and you're trying to trade with the planet. But it's a fun little game if you can find a copy for a good price. But So, I would like to hear your recommendations for space-based board games. Please call, call them in and let us know. Space TV shows. There are so many good space TV shows, just like so many good space movies and board games. But I'm going to call out one I think gets a bad rap. And that's the remake of Battlestar Galactica. I think the Battlestar Galactica remake is a great show on its own merit. Now, I'm not saying it's better than the original. I grew up with the original. The Cylons were awesome. But the new movie, or new movie, the new TV show has its issues, especially as it got into the religion stuff and all. But to be honest, some of the ideas in the new show are really cool. When you look, I think it did space combat really well. I think... The idea of having to have non-network sh- computers on the ships and some of the other stuff was really cool. I think there, you know, the idea of you could really play a cool role-playing game in the world of the new Battlestar Galactica or the old one, either one. But I think the new Battlestar Galactica deserves some credit because it did a really good job at what it's doing. Like I say, they got a little weird sometimes with some things, but the acting for the most part was pretty good. It had an interesting story. It it, I, and I think it catches a lot of crap just because it's compared to the old one, but if we look at it as its own show, I I think it's worth, you know, giving it some credit. So, I want to just give a give, yeah give a shout out to the new Battlestar Galactica. So this one's a really easy category because there's so many great. Space TV shows from Blake Seven to Red Dwarf to, of course, the original Battlestar, start all the Star Treks, you know, um, Babylon Five, Andromeda, right, Firefly, of course. So there's so many great space shows. Call and tell me a space show you think is overlooked. Space RPGs. So there are a ton of space RPGs that I really, really like that deserve a lot of time dedicated to them. But I'm not going to do that this episode. What I'm going to do is I'm going to review a brand new space RPG. So this is from Down Under. Australian game designer Michael Raston. The company is Gorgazoo. Goff, Oscar, Romeo, Goff, Zulu, Uniform, Games. I'm sure I butchered that. And the name of the game is Star Dogs. It costs a whopping $1.99 at DriveThruRPG for a 25-page PDF. And I think there's some neat ideas in here that are worth looking at and worth $2. Less than a cup of coffee. So I'm going to give you that review right now. Full disclosure, I was given a free copy of the PDF to give this review and to put a review on DriveThruRPG. So let's get to it. Art. So, I'm not an artist. I'm not the person to give you good commentary on art. You need Spike Pitt or somebody who knows what they're looking at to do that. I like the cover. 
it's kind of a comic booky style cover. Then it's a mix of different artists and public domain art inside. It's fine. Um, so I like some of it better than others, but whatever. It's not a big deal. The the one thing I will comment on are they're on page eight. There are a set of um, naked female breasts. They're not sexualized at all. And I don't find it offensive, but I do mention it because I know some of my listeners have kids. So it's in kind of a Troika style painting, or not painting, but the drawing's kind of a Troika style. And like I say, there's nothing sexual about it or anything. But I do mention it just because there might be parents who might share this game with their kids. So I think it's important to mention that. Overall, the art, um, I like it better than some games, not as much as others. It's fine. It totally gives a feel for what what's going on with the game. And I think in a game like this, it is totally adequate and totally, you know, no issues for me with the art. But again, I'm not an artist, so I'm probably not the best person to comment on it. Layout. Layout's fine. Um, no issues at all. In fact, it does one thing 100% correctly. So Arlen Walker from Live from Pelham's Wasteland has reviewed a lot of RPGs. And recently he has said that one thing RPGs, he would really like to see RPGs do, is not hide the core rules. And to put the idea, if they have like a core rule or a core concept, to put that in the front of the book to, you know, highlight it. And the, in Star Dogs, when you turn to table contents, the very first thing are core rules. And after the page contents, the first two pages really are the core rules of the system. So kudos for that. It, it's The layout's fine. Um, you, you know, there's... I, well, I'll talk about this a little bit later, I guess. So as far as layout goes, it, it, it's good. There's not an index, but it's only a 25-page book, right? The table content shows where everything is. It's not hyperlinked or anything, but again, it's a small book, so it's easy to get where you need to go. Um, I I think the layout's fine. The pages are single-column pages for the most part. When you get into some of the tables, then they go into double-column, but for the most part, it's all single-column stuff. It's totally readable. There's no page. It doesn't do like some books where it puts art behind the words and it's hard to read. There's art on a lot of the pages, but the art is in the white space. The art is not behind the words. So it's easy to read. Um, yeah, layout's good to go. They don't waste a whole lot of space with art. you know. So if you took all the art out, you might be able to cut a page or two off. Now, the, the first, you know, initially, you have the cover, and then you have kind of two splash pages. If it was a book, it'd be the first two pages that you open or art. But, you know, that's cool. No issues there. Um, yeah, I don't think it overdoes the art or the white space or anything. I think the layout's good to go. So, what is that core rule? Core mechanic? Well, the core rule, actually what he says is that you can adjust the rules however you need to, which is awesome. But basically, everything has attributes. So, characters have, this, and they're the standard 16 D attributes. But... Everything has that, from tools to, obviously, NPCs to vehicles. Everything has attributes. And your basic thing... Now, your your combat and stuff is a D20, and it's a rollover. You know, it's ascending armor class. But everything else is handled pretty much by attribute tests, and it's roll underneath the attribute. 
So that's your base mechanic. The game also uses advantage-disadvantage, pretty standard mechanic, although you can have multiple advantage and disadvantage in this game. And it also has skills. The skills are limited. They're pretty much just technical things. So fighting and things aren't skills, but like fighter, like flying aircraft, blah, blah, blah. Not talking too well today, am I? So skills are covered. There are things like pilot spacecraft, surgery, interstellar navigation, um, diplomacy. So they're really specific things. Now, what he does here, now in your skills all start if you have a skill not everybody has skills but if you have a skill it starts at one and then you it can you can either get points different ways but typically you get additional skill points as you level up but and you're trying to roll your skill or under and typically a skill roll is on a d12 and you're thinking holy moly after all one on a d12 i'm not very skilled and no, you don't start very skilled, but you can get better. But this game has a really cool mechanic, and this applies both to these skill tests and to attribute tests that are normally a D20. So what he does is it's up to the DM, but how hard the test is is what size die you roll. So the easier the test, the smaller the size, of, the smaller die you roll. So if it's a easier test, maybe you're not going to roll D12 for that skill test. Maybe you're going to roll D4 or D6. And all of a sudden, get that D, getting that 1 or 2 is a lot easier. That's interesting because not too long ago, I read an article by Goblin's Henchman where he talked about this. He was comparing all the different curves of 3D6 and, you know, a D20 and all these different curves and, and the idea of advantage, disadvantage and all these different things. And I'm pretty, and I'm going off memory here, but his conclusion was, instead of doing all these weird mechanics, just increase the size of the die if as they get more skilled. Well, that's kind of what, what he's doing here, because we're rolling under, so you make the, the die smaller, and it gets easier to pass skill check. It's a really simple and neat mechanic, and I really like it. So that's one thing this game does very well, is this idea of, you know, depending on the level, how hard the, the skill test is, you, you just adjust the die size. And the easier the test, well, the smaller die you use, so it's easier to roll. I really like that mechanic. For other things, um, time, he says, don't worry, you know, just do time as it makes sense. Unless you're in combat, you don't really need to track it, which makes sense. He uses the idea of close, nearby, and far away. And then that scales, depending what scale you're at. So he does scale really well in here. So he gives you examples of scales one foot in a hovercraft, which is like a land vehicle, and then in a spacecraft. And he, he scales both distance and weapon damage that way. So when we get to vehicles... Vehicles basically use the same attributes as the characters. Now they're going to have more hit points or whatever, but and they work the same way. You do attribute tests. Now the pilot's flying ability, his pilot skill, figures into when you're doing tribute tests of vehicles. But the vehicle, what he did for weapons, are basically you just mount use the same weapon stats you use for the regular weapons on the vehicles, but he scales it. So you have three scales. You have one foot again, hovercraft and spacecraft. So the way it works is, you know, a, a less powerful firing on the more powerful does half damage for each stage of power. 
So if you're on, if you're using a, a handheld weapon, it does half damage to the hovercraft and does a quarter damage to spacecraft. And then the reverse is true, where a spacecraft does four times damage to a person. So it works out pretty well. Um, I like that. His vehicle rules, as you can tell, are pretty simple. His NPC rules are pretty simple. He's just cranks it right down to where you figure out what level the NPC is and you get your hit points and your plus for them to hit. Like I say, it's Ascending Armor class right off of that. So the NPC rules work really well. And the so let's back up a second and talk about characters. And I'm going to create a character at the end of this review. But your characters have basically, you know, your standard six stats and you, and you roll them. 3d6, he says you can adjust them around if you need to. He goes from minus 3 to plus 3 in his bonuses, or in minuses. You have different races. You have human, you have synthoid, which is kind of like Rogue Trooper, if you remember Rogue Trooper. You have androids, robots, high gravers, and low gravers. Somebody grew up in a high gravity environment or low gravity environment. They have Kybe, I think I'm saying that right, Kilo, Hotel, Bravo, Echo. And that's like the force in this game, okay? So they might be kybe sensitive. And then you have classes, just like any of these, you know, OSR-type games. You have fighters, rogues, technicians, delegates, pilots, cultists, which are kind of like the priests or the clerics in this game, and the kybe monk, who is kind of like your Jedi Knight in this game, right? Um, and like I say, some of them have skills, like your technicians and your delegates and your pilots have skills, but your like your fighter doesn't have any skills. So one thing he does that I'm not sure of, and and, and I'm not going to say it doesn't work or it's not good because I've never played the game, and hopefully I'll get to play here soon where he's going to run the game for me and a couple other guys. So hopefully, you know, I'm not going to say anything is bad until after I played it, and even then I won't say it's bad. But I I, I have doubts, so we'll see. Um, like I say, there's some things in here I really really like like the way you adjust the die size for the skill checks. But, so one thing I'm not sure about, but it might work out really well in play, is when you level up, generally you either get a bonus, one of your skills goes up, one or, you know, one of your skills goes up, or, like, some of the classes get special abilities, which is cool. But, like, a fighter, he just gets to use different weapons. So the way they do weapons in here is he has a, a range of weapons, and basically the better weapons just do more damage. Um, I mean, they might have longer range or fire a couple extra times a turn, but that, you know, you can't use a weapon. A lot of these weapons you can't use unless you're a certain class and hit a certain level. So until you're a, a six-level fighter, you can't use a laser machine gun, a laser machine gun. And I don't know that anybody else can use a laser machine gun at all. So it's kind of weird that way. Um, now, if it's weapon, if it's vehicle mounted, anybody with a pilot skill can use it. So that's good. But so I'm not sold in just reading the rules. I'm not sold on the way he does weapons because you have to be a certain level and a certain class to use certain weapons. But that might work out really well in play. And effectively, mechanically, it just means your higher level fighters are doing more damage than other characters, which makes sense. So, in actual play, it probably works out really well. It's just one of those things that reads kind of weird. And the Black Hack and ICRPG are like that, too, where they have certain rules, you read them in the rules, and you're like, that doesn't, that looks weird. Like Armor and the Black Hack, 
but on the table it works really well. So his leveling up and his weapon things might work great, and I'll find out when I play it. But just reading it, it looks a little weird. So we'll see. Um, different classes have different, like they'll get bonuses to hit. You know, again, it's sending armor class, um, and that depends on the class. Different classes have different hit points. Hit point die, you gain a hit point die each level. He does multi-classing and leveling up interesting. So everybody, the max you're going to get is 8th level in this game. And you can jump from class to class, but you can only ever have 8 levels total. So you can do like 4 in fighter and 4 in rogue, or you can like do 2 in each class, whatever. But you can only have 8 total no matter what. So if you don't specialize in a class, you'll never hit 8th level in that class. Kind of interesting. Um, oh, with the races, I didn't mention, but the races do have mechanical benefits and negatives. Like androids have, um, they start with level training. They have a com log, which is like a computer um, internal to them, but they have a minus 2 charisma. Uh, so, you know, the races do have some mechanical differences. Um, he has boons and banes, which are like, you, you know, advantaged or not advantage, disadvantage, but the boons are things like combat implants or cybernetic limbs, or you start with a spacecraft. The banes are things like the one it, you're wanted, the empire's after you, or you're addicted to an illegal substance or you're sickly. So that's there if you want to use it. And that's an optional rule, um, to level up. It's interesting. he he just gives you some some ideas of milestones. Basically, the level system is a milestone. And then you have to hit twice your next level in leveling up points, or basically, you know, milestones to level up. And then it clears, and you start, you know, it goes back to zero. But he has some interesting mix of things here, like complete a mission, um, forge a strong relationship with an important NPC, save someone's life, become a target for an important NPC. That's a neat one right? Earn at least X number of credits, things like that. Um, so that's kind of cool. The, I, yeah, there's weapons and armor, pretty normal stuff here. He's got equipment lists, which are fine. He has cybernetic implants, and it goes in depth. Cybernet cybernetic implants, if I can talk, are very dangerous in this game. If you don't pay a ton of money, chances are you're going to have net you're going to have malfunctions when they get installed. And there are a couple pages of these malfunctions. And we'll roll on them when I create a character. But they're they're pretty neat. So we have random tables. Check. Uh, I talked about the vehicles. Talked about piloting. Talked about NPCs. That's pretty much what's in the core book. Which is plenty to get going. I'm pretty sure I read that he has a GM's guide planned. This is actually marketed as the player's guide. But it's got everything you need to start playing. And you can get rolling with this game. The other thing he has on his blog, he's got some additional things to help you out. And I'm going to talk about them right now. So Michael's blog is lizardmandiaries.blogspot.com. And I'll have a link in the show notes. But if you go to lizardmandiaries.blogspot.com in his November 20th and 19th, yeah, 19. Tell I'm old, can't you? His November 20th, yeah, 20 November 2019 entry, <laughs> I'll have the link in the show notes, has not only talking about the player's handbook 
that I reviewed today, he has links to earlier blog spots where he has planet generator, alien species generators, outpost space station generators, mission generators, NPC generators, and dangerous sector generators. And we are going to explore those. Also, he is working on printer demand from Lulu, so there should be a that should be available here shortly as well. Man, I hate to do this to you. This episode has run long, so I try to keep these under half an hour, and I didn't do a very good job this time. So what I'm going to do is the character creation and rolling on the random tables, I am going to do on Wednesday's episode. So to sum up, Stardogs, I think it's well worth the $2 cover price, and this is the Stardogs player handbook. Like I say, there's a, another one coming down the road. I, I think it's worth your money. I think, you know, there's some things I'm not sure about in here that I think I need to play it and see how they work and play. But I think his basic system will work, and I definitely love the idea of adjusting the die size for the the kind of test you're doing. The harder the test, the bigger die you use, and the easier the test, the smaller die you use. Remember, roll under mechanic. I really love that. That's a super duper idea. So I actually like these rules. I'm excited to to play in a game with the creator, with Michael Raston. And who knows, maybe we'll even get him on the show at some point. But I'm going to cut this episode short because I'm already running long. But on my Wednesday episode, I will roll up a character and we're going to roll in some of those other random tables I talked about. I hope you enjoyed our all space episode. If you want to reach me, you can leave a message using the Anchor app or contact me on the Audio Dungeon. Also, don't forget our November contest, how you would convert a book into an RPG. Just leave me a message and I'll put your name in for the drawing for a free drive through RPG gift certificate. We need those submissions by midnight Virginia time, 29 November. Talk to you next time.